Welcome to the weekly podcast of the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. VOH Radio brings an in-depth understanding of the scriptures prophetically, rich revelation of the early church apostolic fathers, and biblical interpretation of the biggest news and political stories of our day. Take VOH Radio with you on the go. Listen on demand weekly. New programs released every Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, TuneIn, and more. To partner with us, please go to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Or email us at radio at voh.church. You know, when I think about the growing impact of the Voice of Healing Radio, I think about all those throughout the world who have reached out to us to tell us about the radical changes in their lives and a desire to go deeper in the Word of God. There's a passion to see Jesus more than ever before. And we want to invite you to partner with us to continue sending this gospel that's transforming lives and so many people to the nations. For the gift of $50 or more, we would like to send you the VOH Radio hat And for your gift of $100 or more, we want to send you the VOH hat and hoodie featuring a quote from one of the favorite early church fathers, Origin. This is our gift to you for partnering with us to take VOH Radio to the world. Visit voh.church slash radio to donate now. You're listening to The Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. Blessings. I'm Mike Petro, and welcome to The Voice of Healing Radio. You know, with so many things happening uh, in the world today, many people um, are always asking me what I think about the time and the season we're in. And it's it's interesting because so many people, and I'm when I say people, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about the unsaved. I, I can see that even the unsaved are feeling like something is happening, something is wrong. Uh, so many people are right now looking for answers. And for those of us that are that are Christians, for those of us that are born again, we do have the opportunity to bring Christ to them right now more than ever before. You know, in my prayer time, um, the Lord spoke to me and said that, you know, the harvest is now. It's time to bring in the harvest. And I've noticed within our body, within our church, that um, there's been a shifting, a change, especially, you know, we do intercession uh, three times a night or three times a week in the in the night. And we also do intercession during the day, you know, all week long in the mornings. And I can see in those intercessions that things are shifting. Uh, there's, a, there's a cry, there's a wailing for... Um, um, the things of God to come forward. It's almost like it's times I feel like um, the church is in a birthing process where we're getting ready to see, you know, the, the manifestation and the glory of God come. And there's definitely a change that's occurring. And we're in that season of the kingdom of God manifesting itself in the earth. And basically, when that glory hits, everything else is going to be irrelevant. Everything that we think, everything that we pursue will become like nothing. And 
And I think people don't realize, you know, um, what is going on, especially even in the churches. When, you know, we hear, you know, I grew up in churches where I heard over and over, well, nobody knows the day or the hour. And, um, you know, quoting things out of the scripture where there's other parts of scripture that also talk about us knowing the time and the season. And we have to realize that the way the Lord structured the, the Bible really is in itself um, the guideline to where we are at. The early church fathers, which are, these are the men that were raised up by the apostles, they were taught that at the end of 6,000 biblical years from Adam, that everything would come to an end. I can read to you stuff, and I have on this show before, stuff from Barnabas and and uh, uh, Lactantius, uh, Hyptolatus, where they said that the Lord, in the same way he created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested, in the book of Genesis, that the Lord would do the same thing. Uh, it was a really also a time calendar of when things would happen. Prophetically, if we understand the symbolisms of Scripture, we can see that you know those those times and seasons are here. It was four thousand years from Adam till Jesus, and two thousand years from Jesus till now. We're at the end of six thousand years, or six days. A day is equal to a thousand years, and so all that we're seeing right now is going to escalate. It's not going to get. We're not going back to the way things are, uh, or were. We're, we're going into a new season. As we look back at, at things pre-COVID, we can clearly see that what is unfolding now seems strange, seems different. Um, the White House doesn't seem the same. The government doesn't seem the same. Everything is transitioning because it's really time for the kingdom of God to manifest. And I really wanted to get a little bit into... Um, uh, today on the Sons of Perdition. I wanted to read from Ignatius. Ignatius was a uh, disciple of John the Revelator. And Ignatius really gives us an understanding not only of end time events, the book of Revelation, that kind of stuff, but he also gives us a really uh, powerful peak and to terms that we use today, the, the Antichrist, the son of perdition, that the way we have been taught it in our religious systems is not the way the early church believed it to be. They believed that the Antichrists were in the church, like John said, they come out from amongst us. It was a people that are really against the Holy Spirit or the move of the Holy Spirit or the, the presence of God in the churches. And we live in we we see today in our churches basically museums for past moves. The churches today are more concerned about entertaining people than for the presence of God. We are in a, a time that the book of Jude, the New Testament, talks about a false grace that would occur right before the return of Jesus that would carry people away into a false hope. Because the early church didn't believe grace was just, you know, a band-aid for all of our sins. Basically, they seen grace is the power to transform a life. 
if you're out there and you're saying, you know, I, I'm tired of myself, I'm tired of the, the daily routines, I'm tired of not, you know, feeling the way that I do and not feeling holy and righteous, you know, there is that opportunity for each and every one of us to walk in holiness and righteousness, for us to be transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit and, and just surrender self. I mean, that's why the whole Bible talks about dying to self. And there, there is that light. Jesus said, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy, cast out demons, you know, say, depart from me, you lawless ones, for I never knew you. Meaning we could be doing miracle signs and wonders in our churches and be still lawless, not understanding God's word. The early church was big on the understanding of the revelation of the word. And because we're we're in this season now, we're really seeing that the church has become um, ignorant to truth. We, we, we are in a Bible illiteracy season. 90-some percent of Christians don't even read their Bibles, don't even know where the early church it was all about the revelation of the word transforming us. But let's get into Ignatius. I want to read a few things here just to give you a little bit of a flavor on uh, where we're going to go in this message. But some most worthless persons are in the habit of caring about the name of Jesus Christ in wicked guile, while yet they practice things unworthy of God and hold opinions contrary to the doctrines of Christ to their own destruction. And that of those who give credit to them, whom you must avoid as you would a wild beast, for the righteous man who avoids them is safer forever. But the destruction of the ungodly is sudden and subject to rejoicing. Isn't it interesting that Origen said when the wicked are destroyed. Now, he's not talking about the world. He's talking about people in the church. He said, these are people that carry the name of Jesus Christ, but they live worldly. They live contrary to the doctrine of Christ, to their own destruction. He said, we need to avoid those people. We need to avoid those churches like they're wild beasts. And I'm sure that we know who those people are. I'm sure we know and can see what those people are doing. Uh, there's there's churches around us. Here in Texas, you see these mega churches that really are not about the manifestation of the kingdom of God. These people are really about themselves, their programs, what they're doing that not, didn't, does not look at all like the early church. The early church was about the transformation of the inner man. It was about the glory of God coming back into the church. That's what they were all about, and that's what's coming. That's what we're getting ready to see, and it's a shame that there'll be a lot of so-called Christians that will not even make it. Why? Because they've been pulled into this deceptive system. Jesus calls it a great falling away. He's not talking about the world falling away. If you look at the word falling away in the Greek, it literally means one, to leave truth, or two, to be divorced. So the world was never married to Jesus, so how could it be divorced from him? The world never had the truth, so how could it fall away from the truth? The falling away is in the church. The falling away is the false doctrines of the church and the religious systems. Let not uh, Let them not 
who have uh, deceived you, and indeed ye that ye may not be deceived, for you are a holy and devoted to God. For when there is no evil desire within you, when there is no evil desire in you, which might defile and torment you, then do you live in accordance with the will of God and are the servant of Christ. Isn't that interesting? He said, we will all come to the point where if we are walking in, in truly truth, and we are walking that there's no evil desires within us, then we are really walking with the Lord. And see, that's what I mean. There's so many people walking and being tormented by uh, the things that are in them. And the Lord wants to set us free from those things, but we're being told that those things are all right because grace is covering those things. But the early church didn't see it that way. Now I'm talking about the closest men to Jesus and the apostles. These, these were the teachings of the earliest church. So we got to get back, like Jesus said, to, what's we, to what we once knew. Cast ye out that which defiles you, who are in the most holy church of the Ephesians, which is so famous and celebrated throughout the world, that they who are carnal cannot do those things which are spiritual, nor they that are spiritual the things which are carnal. So clearly he's saying, if you're really living in a spiritual life, then you, you will be able to do those things which are spiritual, and you won't be able to do those things that are carnal anymore. Even as faith cannot do the works of unbelief, nor unbelief the works of faith, but you, being full of the Holy Spirit, do nothing according to the flesh, but all things according to the Spirit. For you are complete in Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of men, especially of them that believe. Amen. So here we get a, a beautiful understanding that the Lord says you can walk in, in truth, and you can walk in that, that overcoming anointing and you can kill those things that are in you that are not of him. That is the understanding of the early church, which the early church believed that the church at the end of the age, where we are right now, would not be walking in those things. They would be walking in a, a deception. When we look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and we read through this uh, chapter, it says this. Now, the, the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, now, it's interesting that Timothy uses the word latter times because also Timothy and James and other parts of the New Testament and even in the Old, it talks about the former and latter rains or the former and latter times. Well, the early rains were in the spring. Hallelujah. Those rains brought the, rain, uh, brought the harvest of the fruits for Passover, first fruits and unleavened bread. Amen. Pentecost. Well, Jesus was crucified on Passover. Three days later, he was resurrected on the Feast of First Fruits, and he birthed the church on the Feast of Pentecost 50 days after that. So the whole early rain feast were all about the first coming of Jesus. Then we have the latter rain feast, which are the second coming feast, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. John hears a voice as a trumpet speaking. There's the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Atonement is when the high priest goes through the veil. That is the word apocalypse, 
the word for revelation, to remove the veil. And then the book of Revelations ends with now the tabernacle of man, uh, the tabernacle of God is with man. So there is the, the latter rain uh, feast, which are the second coming feast. The trumpets declaring the coming of Jesus, which we see all through the book of Revelations, the coming of our Lord and Savior, the breaking of the veil, hallelujah, and the tabernacle of God, which is really the manifestation of Christ in us, hallelujah. Now, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, in the latter reigns, in the second coming feast, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So here Paul is telling Timothy that these people will be give heed or they will begin to listen to these deceiving spirits and these doctrines of demons. And we're in a time where you can see that the demonic realm is manifesting at a level that is that is unprecedented. But the Lord is getting ready to raise up that remnant to deal with it. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now he's talking about the church. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain. Now when he's talking about forbidding to marry, he's not talking about us you know, getting married to each other. He's talking about that the church will be in such a place that those that really want to get to know Jesus become the bride of Christ. They will stop it because their doctrine will be so far off that people really will not have that relationship they need to or that marriage with Jesus because they will be doing uh, denominational doctrines and not the doctrine of the church and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to receive in thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, when he talks about these foods, what foods he talking about? I'm not talking about fasting and prayer because the whole early church did that. They believed heavily in fasting and prayer. So when he's talking about abstaining from food, he's really talking about the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. He's talking about those things, the fruit of the Spirit, those things which we have to partake of to become spiritual and understand spiritual things. And they'll be saying, no, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know this. You know, uh, interestingly enough, I grew up in the, uh, part of my youth was in the Catholic Church. They didn't even allow us to read the Bible, which the Bible wasn't given just to uh, the Catholic Church. The Bible was given to everybody. And so because I did not know the Bible, and when you do not know the Bible, you can be easily deceived. But the early church was huge on understanding the Bible. They required everybody in the body of Christ, not only to know the Bible, but to be able to preach it to others. So when we understand how the early church was structured, we can see that these religious systems, Catholicism, and our, our churches today, even uh, our, uh, our, our churches that are uh, uh, Protestant, evangelical, that are not teaching the Bible, need to get back to teaching the way uh, people the way the Bible was taught in the early church. So for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused, hallelujah, if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nourished, there it is. Look what he says, nourished in the words of faith, 
Well, to be nourished means, you know, I, I need nourishment. I need to eat something. So what's he saying? You got to be nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. Notice it wasn't they just heard the Bible. They followed the Bible. Amen. But reject profane and old wives tales and exercise for yourself uh, toward uh, godliness. So we have to be moving and exercising our our nature to be godlike. Godliness means godlike. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promises of life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of men, especially to those that believe. These things we command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to these readings, to exhortations, to these doctrines. See, the early church was all about paying attention, understanding, and knowing the word of God. Ignatius, who was the son of... uh, of John the Revelator, he says this, the last times are coming upon us. Let us therefore be of a reverent spirit and fear the long sufferings of God. Least we despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance. Romans chapter two, verse four. For let us either fear the wrath to come or let us love the presence and joy in this life that now is. And let our present and let our present and true joy be only this, to be found in Christ Jesus, that we might truly live. Do not at any time desire so much as even to breathe apart from Jesus. Amen. So again, he's talking about the end of the age. And he's saying that we in the body have to treat uh, our relationship with Christ, our relationship in the word, uh, like we know that Jesus could be coming at any time. Well, we are really there in that time of his second coming. We are there. And it's amazing to me as I'm watching the churches, as I'm watching the people of God, that they know something is up, and yet our churches are not giving any clear instructions. I've watched several major leaders uh, literally get on the Internet and say, what is going on? We need understanding. We need a prophetic a revelation of where we're at. We need to know what's going on. And usually these guys are pretty laid back about this stuff, but there is a fear of God that's going into the church right now. It's a time of preparation and change because Jesus is getting ready to return. Do not err, my brethren. Those that corrupt families shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And if those which corrupt mere human families are condemned to death, how much more shall those suffer everlasting punishment who endeavor to corrupt the church of Christ? Isn't that interesting? He's talking about that those that corrupt the church those that bring false teaching into the church. Ignatius is saying they will serve everlasting punishment. You know, I hear people go, well, 
You know, where's the love of God? Where's the love of God in these preachings? You know, isn't it interesting that Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, when he was amongst the false teachers of his day, he would openly rebuke them. He would openly call them Pharisees, son of sons of Satan, a brood of snakes, a bunch of vipers. Beware of the venom of the Pharisees. He didn't, he didn't coddle them. He didn't say, oh, see, we got this thing that love is God's going to overlook all of our sins. And the crazy thing is, I hear that mostly from false teachers. That God's just going to overlook everything. That the Lord is not going to do anything without love. Well, Jesus said it this way. Why do you say you love me and don't obey my commandments? He's saying, you, you talk about love. You say that you love me, but yet you're disobedient to my word. Scripture says those that love him will obey his commandments. Meaning, if we really love the Lord, part of that love is knowing his word, knowing the doctrine of Christ, knowing the revelation of his word, and walking it out with Jesus. Because really, that those those commandments are are the the prerequisite to a marriage. Those doctrines are the marriage contract. That's why it says that those that have fallen away from those teachings are divorced from Him. Because the word "falling away" literally means to be divorced. So, without the doctrine, without the understanding, we really don't have that relationship with Jesus that we think we have. See, if there's some of you out there, I, I, I promise you there's a lot of you out there that are feeling that. You're feeling separated. You're feeling far from the Lord. You need to get yourself into a church that teaches the word. You need to get yourself to a place that you're going to change and be transformed because there's no time to waste. There's no time. Don't be caught in this season of ignorance. Don't be caught in this season of the fallen and those that have fallen away. God has called you to prepare you. And if that's you, if you would say to me, brother, I, I need to get ready. I mean, I got people coming to me all the time having dreams about the second coming of the Lord. So many people right now are having dreams that Jesus is on the verge of returning. And those dreams are right. God is speaking to the church right now, trying to get the church to wake up, to get ready. And yet, they're not even being taught in the churches. Churches are not even open because they're more afraid of the government than they are of the, of the Lord. But if that is you, get a hold of us. We at VOH, the voice of healing, want to get people ready. VOH.com, the voice of healing. It's time to get ready. I'm Mike Petro, and this is the Voice of Healing Radio. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Your financial gift helps the Voice of Healing Radio bring revelation to God's kingdom and to the nations. Have a testimony or prayer request? Call us at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Or send us an email at radio at voh.church. And don't forget to add VOH Radio 
on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for your current updates. This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petrone.